everybody, you're listening to so many sequels. I'm Josh. I'm Andrew. I'm Kickass. Okay. <laughs> Today on the show, we're talking about my movie, Kickass. <laughs> um, Kickass came out in 2010. It is a comic book comedy action movie. Uh, directed by Matthew Vaughn, starring Aaron Johnson, Christopher Mintz, Plassey. Plassey, is that? That's how it's said, right? I don't know. Did you say I just call him McLovin. Christopher Mintz, Plassey. I just call sure. him. He's McLovin. Uh, Chloe Grace Moretz and Nicolas Cage, among some others. Uh, those are the main the main folks. Uh, this, is a, this was a fun movie. This uh, was a fun movie. A, a drastic departure from the last five weeks that we've spent doing Halloween movies. Uh, we got to jump into a, a superhero movie this time. Kick-Ass is based on a comic book that um, honestly don't know how popular it was. Uh, it's it's obviously not a Batman or a Spider-Man or something no. like that. It, so it's a, probably more of a niche comic book franchise, but uh, a well-known property nonetheless. Um, it's about Kick-Ass, who is a, he's a high school student. His name's Dave. He wants to become a superhero. He's like, why aren't? Why doesn't anyone actually try to be superheroes? Mm-hmm. You know, there's Batman, there's Spider Man. There's a part where he says everybody wants to be Paris Hilton, but nobody wants to be Batman or something like that. Uh, so he decides he's going to be a superhero, and he creates this kick-ass alter ego, and learns very quickly why that may not be a good idea. Meanwhile, we have uh, the daddy-daughter duo of Nicolas Cage and Chloe Grace Moretz, who are savage. No, uh, no superheroes shit. of their own right. No shit. Pads cross, fun erupts, and a lot of violence. So what did we think of this movie? I love this movie. Um, I love just how it goes. There's, there's a change in the movie to right about the halfway point, And really what, that's what I love about it. Because you start really like feeling for the characters. And I think that's a great thing. But really, it's overall, it's just a fun flick. Yep. But I will say this. This movie is so 2010. <laughs> it it is. Uh, it does not age well no. in in several regards, but it is still a fun movie. But it does not age well. MySpace. Yeah. MySpace, flip phones, uh, all kinds of stuff like that. I really enjoyed the fact that it was MySpace rather than Facebook. That made me happy. I enjoyed it uh, because it was such a a throwback, and. I didn't realize it was 2010 because in my brain, like Facebook was still was king in 2010 because I can't remember all of the I, I can't remember that timeline of social media, but uh, I, I enjoyed the MySpace thing because it made me want MySpace back. Because everybody, you got I'm just sick of Facebook. This is another tangent, but yeah, it made me really happy about MySpace and wished it was still around. Everybody misses Tom. I. Don't wish that. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> it was, uh, he sets up a, a kick-ass MySpace page. Yeah. And he uses that to kind of recruit um, jobs, basically. People who need help message him on his MySpace page, yada, yada, yada. He communicates with uh, Christopher Mintz Plaza. Plaza. I'm going to have to Google it, YouTube it. I'm not calling him McLovin. I refuse. He is his own man. He is an actor and a good one, and I will not pigeonhole him into McLovin. I will take a stand on this, and I will die on this hill. He is not just McLovin. I will not. I will not yield. I agree with everything you say, but also McLovin. No. No. 
<laughs> he is so much more than McLovin. I got you back, Christopher, Chris, whatever you go by. Um, I love the way this movie opened up because it was this me- almost like this meta narration thing where like he knew that superhero things existed, but like was real life also at the same time. And as he's narrating all of these things about superheroes and why don't people do it and blah, 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 you pan up uh, this building and you see this person standing on the ledge looking all superhero-y and he just falls and he's, and you, you're waiting for like the superhero thing to happen and him to like fly and take off and then he just fucking crashes right into that car dead as a doornail and you and he goes that wasn't me i thought that was a great way to set the tune the tone for this movie and even though the guy died a very brutal death was also very funny mm-hmm, 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 and that was mm-hmm. something throughout this whole movie that they did really well where it was so violent there were so many violent things and and it was the 11 year old chloe grace moretz that was doing most of it she was kicking ass and taking names and not messing around. And also, because of that, was really funny. But the way they just handled violence in general, I thought was really funny. Yeah. Yeah, Hit Girl is a great character, and, and Chloe plays her very well. Uh, this had to be one of her early roles. She's very young in this movie. She's mm-hmm. like, what, 13? Probably. I think I think her character is, mm. did they say 11? Yeah. That's what, yeah. That and I'm, yeah, I'm sure she was a little older than that, but yeah. She, the juxtaposition of this little innocent looking girl who is the most violent character and the most crass character who says words I won't repeat on this podcast. I don't even feel comfortable. No. She is very, very rough and it's uh, fun to watch and I'm sure she had fun playing that part. (laughs) I just, that scene towards the end whenever she's in the lobby and she's, she looks like a little schoolgirl, and then. Pulls out a pistol and just kills a gun in the guy's mouth. Yeah, and then just caps the guy as she's leaving. Mm-hmm. That. Ugh. Well, we see this buildup of her uh, when we're first introduced. She's shot in the chest by her dad <laughs> at, shooting, at like this shooting range type thing. So we see this small buildup of of like, okay, these people are these are some serious dudes. These this daddy daughter duo, and then it's like kind of a shock when you see. Uh, Kickass is in that guy's apartment who had been messing with Katie, and he's threatening him, you know, leave her alone or else. And then this blade comes through his chest, and then he falls, and it's eleven-year-old hit girl back there. And then she just destroys everyone, cutting off limbs and all that. It was a shock to the system to see her be that violent, because that was they didn't really uh build up that part. They just kind of unleashed it on us. Yeah. I really enjoyed the introduction to um, Hit Girl and Big Daddy uh, as Damon and what was her name? Or like not superhero name? I can't remember. Mindy. Mindy. That Mindy. sounds right. But Be- yeah, I don't think we learned that till the end. Didn't nah. we? So Nick Cage in this is like at, whenever you first meet him is like the super stereotype of a dad or cliche of a dad. He's like got the mustache and he's all like happy and positive and is like oh sweet cakes and then he continues that while talking about guns and weapons and just shoots her in the chest and again it's another aspect of how this movie balances violence absurdity and humor because that is just not what you expect and then as you get to see big daddy who is nicholas cage 
he is also incredibly violent and as a you learn that he's a police officer and all of the stuff that he his character went through when his wife died he was framed to be a drug dealer by the main bad guy and just all of this stuff but at the same time they give him that st- that dad moniker where you can just see him wearing shorts posing in front of a mystery machine just smiling like a goofball. <laughs> I thought Nicolas Cage in this movie was very crazy. Nicolas Cage is always a joke within himself, but yeah. sometimes he does good stuff, and this, this is one of those moments where yeah. I really enjoyed him. No, that, no, I, I liked him in this movie. And in fact, uh, uh, when, when, Nicolas, when Nicolas Cage's character dies... Um, when Big Daddy dies and there's that moment between Big Daddy and Hit Girl, it's a very sweet moment. And it actually kind of got to me a little bit. Um, Shed a tear for Nicolas Cage, did you? Sure, yeah. And it just, I don't know, it, 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 just, it just got to me. I really connected with um, Dave. I thought he was good. You connected with the worst character in the movie? Well, as far as, like, just how he sees himself. Like, he opens up and is talking about how he's just a regular guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he's saying, my only superpower is being invisible to girls. And like most people my age, I just existed. And he's talking about how even in his group of friends, he doesn't. he's not the funny one. He's just kind of there. And it's just really nice to see a regular guy. And, like... I know that most superheroes try to build themselves on being a regular guy, but, like, they're not. You know, something crazy happens. Let's take Peter Parker. That's the closest example I can have. Peter Parker starts off as a regular guy, mm-hmm. and then he gets bit by a radioactive spider and becomes, like, super buff and all of a sudden knows how to do martial arts and crazy fighting skills. And, and that's not what this movie turns into. This movie continues him being a regular guy throughout the whole thing because he's he tries to train my, one of my favorite scenes is the early montage of him training and he's like on the roof of a building going to jump to another building and then realizes that he cannot do this and just pumps the brakes and is like oh god and even at the very end whenever he's fighting red mist i made a note that there were two fights going on at the very end there was Hit Girl and Frank DeMarco, or D'Amico, and they had, like, an actual fight. Like, they established that Hit Girl knew how to fight. They knew how to do all this. Frank was training in martial arts and doing all this stuff, so their fight was, like, real and raw. And then you cut to the other room, and it's uh, Kick-Ass and Red Mist who have no idea what they're doing, and they're just, like, flailing at each other with weapons. And it's just a distinct thing. So I really enjoyed that throughout the whole thing, he remained a regular guy, and I thought that was really cool in something that other superhero movies don't do. I would just counter that they don't do that because they showed in this movie that Kick-Ass is really bad at being a superhero and kind of just lucked into surviving. Yes. Well, that's like, what I meant. He's just... The normal guy thing can't work. You know? You know? He lucks in, He lucks out so much, mm-hmm. or gets saved by small girls. <laughs> <laughs> one of the two. One of the two. Or he gets. Uh, uh, he has to fight a guy who's equally bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah, because uh, Red Mist is also pretty terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's also a regular guy who mm-hmm. has a lot of money and was able to get stuff that way. Yeah. Yep. I've noticed that's a bit. That's this is a bit of a theme throughout uh, 
Matthew Vaughn's movies. Or there violence? Violence. Yeah, there's a lot of violence in yeah. his movies. He did the Kingsman he, he movies. Did the Kingsman in that after movie. After this, boy, howdy, was that incredibly violent? Yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, he did Kingsman. He also did X Men First Class, I think. Yeah, which I'm sure this movie helped him get that. Yeah, after Kickass, he did X Men First Class and uh, Days of Future Past. Or he did both. Yeah, he did both Kingsman. Yep, he directed both Kingsman. Um, yeah, his last movie was was Kingsman: The Golden Circle. He doesn't have any on the horizon. It looks like, not as a director anyway. Not on Wikipedia, at least. Okay. Do you guys remember? Uh, this was like around the same time as Kickass. Uh, I think it was Seattle. Yeah, it was Seattle. A guy named Phoenix Jones. Yep. So, for those of you not familiar, Phoenix Jones. Uh, who was actually born Benjamin John Francis Fodor, uh, basically did a kick-ass. He went out and about in the streets, dressed as a superhero, and tried to stop crime whenever he had a chance. And whenever I watch this movie, that is what I think of every single time. Because there are people, at least one that I'm aware of, who did don a superhero thing and just go out and about and try to solve crime. And he probably shouldn't have. I don't know if there are any successes, uh, but it is a thing. And every time I see this movie, Phoenix Jones comes back into my head. I highly suggest going to look him up because it is a crazy, crazy thing. It's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's weird. But he legit was like, had a mask and did all this stuff. It was interesting. Yeah, he probably shouldn't have done it. No, I say <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, yeah, the, he uh, he ran like a whole league of superheroes up in Seattle. Yeah, the Rain City superhero movement. Yep. How many were involved? I don't really know. I I don't care enough to read it nope. all on air or on recording. So, but there were several. Yeah. There were several other superheroes. Uh, what a weird time that that lasted from 2011 to 2014. Yeah, it was very odd. Whatever happened to him? Uh, he stops. Yeah, they just. They... I don't know why. They dissolved the movement in 2014, and he went on to do other things. Um, looks like he has a, a mixed martial arts career. So there's that. Well, I wonder if like they're probably gonna make a movie about him. They did. It's called Kickass. Oh, all right. <laughs> um, you said that you didn't like Dave. You said you thought he was the worst character, right? Uh, I mean, in so many words, he's not a great character, in my opinion. And how, and how so? Like, what was he your He generally sucks. <laughs> um, uh, he lies a lot to a lot of people, and I think that he's just kind of forgiven of that every at every turn. So, outside of being, like, stabbed and beat up, he doesn't really face a lot of consequences for his actions, mm-hmm. and that's kind of like... Uh, he's he like he's a jerk the whole movie and then like still gets everything he wants in the end. His that re- bugs me. His relationship with Katie is very questionable. Um in a way that he handled it. So oh, yeah. He, yeah, it's straight up wrong. Yeah. They establish early on that he's ignored. There's a scene where this girl that he's interested in has a lock, a couple a locker down from him. And there's a scene where she turns faces towards him and says, "Hey gorgeous, and then he reacts to that, realizes that she was talking to somebody else. So it kind of establishes that he is not worthy of anybody's time in the romantic st- stage, at least hers. 
So then after he gets beat up and robbed by the thugs that they tried to confront, the his friends let him, or then she's like all interested in him, asks him to coffee and to go to this comic book store that he that she knows he's into. Then his friends spread the rumor or break it to him that there's a rumor going around that he is gay. being considered gay and that she is interested in him to be her gay best friend. And so he leans into that, which is not cool. No, it's not. Like, that is not cool. And then as he keeps continuing it on to where he helps put self-tan on her and she's half naked. It's just really, really, really bad and yeah, questionable. It, and I don't like it, that. It's, it's, like, it's bad. It's not questionable. It's yeah. beyond. Like, there's no question. Right. It's gross and wrong. And I don't like it. It's it's very... And I, I also don't like... It's just... it. The whole uh, pretending to be a gay best friend thing is such a lame storytelling device. It's just bad. It's wrong. It's mm-hmm. stupid. It's just that ever since I ever since I first watched this movie, I've always wondered about that, and he's he's forgiven very quickly. Like yeah, no, like it's, within it's, seconds, it's resolved. Like it's he, like, oh okay, no, that like ends relationship. Yeah, he dresses up as kick ass and sneaks into her room to surprise her. She freaks out and attacks him because a stranger just broke into her room and he reveals it's him and he's like, ah, no, it's me. I'm kick-ass and also I'm not gay and I like you a lot. And she's like, okay, yeah. basically. Yeah, no. Because she, he's about to leave and he, she goes, nah, don't go downstairs. Go through the window. Actually, don't go through the window. Let's stay here. That's called lazy <laughs> writing, ladies and gentlemen. Lazy writing. Yeah, I did not. I did not like how the the relationship aspect was handled in this film. No, still an enjoyable movie. I like the movie mm-hmm. overall. I think it's fun to watch, but like like we were saying earlier, there's a lot of aspects that don't hold up, and this some of the devices are part of that. I think the character build in this is really good. And for I think who? For for everybody. Oh, I don't. Oh, really? Who really develops? I like <laughs> really. I like because uh, the main character doesn't. Like Hit Girl and Big Daddy, I think they're pretty well developed, especially Hit Girl. I think if anything, Kick Ass is Hit Girl's movie. You know, it should be. It really should be because she stole the show. Well, and I think ah, I think a lot of that has to do with uh, Chloe's performance being the best performance of the movie. It really was. Like she does literally steal it. I don't know if another actress would have to that extent, mm-hmm. but she does make. Kit Girl is such a compelling character that you are more interested in her yeah. than any of the others. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, when you think about it, you're like, yeah, I, I do kind of want to know more about how Hit Girl and Big Daddy got started. And I wish it wasn't just a side story. And she does have the biggest change, mm-hmm. losing her father at the end. Mm-hmm. She just keeps carrying on like a badass. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, she she still has that. But, like, yeah, it's... I wouldn't call, I wouldn't call this a teen movie. Teen? Teen. Teen? Teen. Teen? Like T-E-E-N. Teen? Yes. I don't understand what you mean. Yeah, I don't either. Because... I mean... Because this movie is like... I mean, it's kind of centered around teenagers and whatnot in high school. Sure. And while it's it's a graphic novel, based on a graphic novel, it's more or less centered around teenagers. And I was... The first time I saw this... I was under the impression that it was that it was just a teen movie, and I did not know that there was a there was a comic book named after it, and it got real real quick when people started dying left and right. 
What kind of teen movie did you think it was? Yeah, now I mean, I'm really like it's rated what? R, so I mean, like you have to be 17, so yeah. that would that would not be in the realm of teens. I mean, it is technically, but like only for two of them or three of them. This is an adult movie. Yeah, I just really want to know what you thought it was going to be. Something completely different. Uh, I want to talk about Big Daddy because <laughs> he had a lot of things that I thought were weird. Uh, I wrote... Like a that, murderer's daughter? Well, <laughs> he he looked like Batman. His his suit was very Batman-esque. It was all black. He had, like, little ears, if you looked at his helmet, and he had a yellow... Essentially a utility belt. And so I think that was probably done on purpose. Um... It's probably a character. I don't know anything about the comic book, so I don't know what he looks like. But that is such an iconic look that I imagine that it was done on purpose. And also, when he spoke, he was like a really bad Captain Kirk impression. Because he would talk in such a way like this. I'm sure it was a way to disguise his voice, but I also think it was bad. I think that's just Nicolas Cage. But he did. He only did it whenever he was Big Daddy. He didn't talk like that as uh, Damon, and so I think that was a way. But I just I, I picked up on those two things and picked it out, and I thought it was really. I don't know if they were actually call outs or not, but I really thought it was a, a fun way to kind of incorporate real superheroism, real superheroism, uh, into the movie, and then take something else that was kind of sci-fi and fantasy and throw it in there. Again, I don't know if that was done on purpose. Those were just two things that really jumped out at me as far as what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Very Batman and Kirk combined. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't get the Kirk thing. He does look like Batman, but the, yeah, the Kirk thing was lost on me. Yeah. Maybe it's just me. I didn't hear that. I don't know. I don't know why. I mean, I'm sure. I don't know why they made him look like Batman. Probably to just to make him look like Batman. Could be. And I mean, Batman and Robin are kind of a big daddy and hit girl. Situation, so maybe it was just to familiar make them seem more familiar, yeah, to audiences. But I don't know. I mean, none of the others looked like anyone. No. Did either one of you see this in theater? You said that you. I probably you know? did. I don't remember. Okay. No. Nope. I can't. Yeah. I I I own this movie, and I were watching it. It had been a long time since I had seen it, and I forgot how fun it is. It is. Yeah. Very much enjoyable. It kept my attention. I I was having a ball Mm -hmm. watching this. So it was a nice trek down memory lane, and I I had not seen the second one. I don't know much about it, but I know Jim Carrey's in it. Jim Carrey. (laughs) We'll see how it turns out in next week's episode. But this one got me very excited, and I would put it up there with one of my favorite superhero movies, I think. Sure. Wow. Just because it's so different. It's not... Marvel and it's not DC, it's something else. And I like and as much as I love Marvel <laughs> and try to love DC, um this is something else. Yeah. It actually is Marvel though. Well, yeah, but it's not like the same it's not the same kind of Marvel. It is Marvel? It's yeah, not Kick-Ass what, is a Marvel comic. It's not what you would expect from the Marvel universe and you kind you don't always get the same things going yeah. into the Marvel universe movies, but you kind of know what to expect. Okay. This is something that you didn't really know what to expect, and I liked it because it was so different. Yeah. yeah. It was at least not a Marvel Studios film. Yeah. Okay. So, but, yeah. No, no, no. Is it's it, good. Is it a comic book or a graphic novel? 
It's a comic book. We're about to have this. Are we about to have this? This. I'm gonna let you comic book it. versus graphic novel throwdown. Okay. I mean, no, it's a comic book. Okay. I is it still in circulation? Oh, I doubt it. Okay. No, it lasted two years. It looks like. Okay. Eight issues. I think they did a really good job with the bad guy dynamic too. Mm-hmm. I thought uh, Frank D'Amico was a really bad guy. Um, I thought his henchmen were really good. They were not totally bumbling idiots as you get from henchmen. I mean, they got the better of them a lot. And I think they did a really good job. Um, and I I really enjoyed Red Mist because he had this weird dynamic setup that you don't see from a lot of bad guys in this because he's just a kid and he's a regular kid who happens to be wealthy. He kind of knows what his dad does, wants to be a part of the business, is trying to prove himself. And I think that's something that a lot of teenagers can connect with, is trying to prove themselves to somebody, whether it's a father or a, uh, some kind of figure that they look up to. They want to prove themselves. But at the same time, he's not a bad kid. He's just a little misguided. So you see him actually become friends with Kick-Ass and doesn't want anything bad to happen to Kick-Ass. But he has this hatred towards Big Daddy and Hit Girl, and that's who has come after his family to an extent. Yeah. So he's trying to get them. So when that clash finally meets, he tries to set up Kick-Ass for the first time, and that's when that building is on fire, so they go in and try to save people. Um, then he sets them up again, gets Big Daddy and Hit Girl to come, and the henchmen take all three of them. And so now Red Mist is in this, in this situation where he's like, don't take Kick-Ass because he's my friend and I like him and there's not anything that he did, but they're bad guys, so of course they're going to take him. And then he's stuck in this, do I stay loyal to someone who's not done anything to me or do I stay with my father and prove to him that I am worthy of his being a part of the business? And that was a really cool setup for him. Going back to what you said earlier about Batman, it's interesting to note that at the very end of this, when we see Bad Miss character... Red Miss. Red Miss. Yes, thank you. You got it, dude. So, uh, Red Mist, you know, he mentions, as a great man once said, wait till you get a load of me. And that's directly from the Batman 1989 Tim Burton version, when the Joker said that. That's a cool reference. So, that's a cool reference. So. I I might make an effort to read the comics before our next episode, just because I'd like to see how faithful it is, and see if lines like that were in the comic book that, and they kind of lifted them for the movie, because that would be cool to see. Yeah. I also would like to see how they handled the story, the interweaving stories, because you know, you Andrew said earlier that you felt like this was more of a hit girl movie. I do think that the most interesting story is is whatever is going on between uh, Red Mist's crime family and Big Daddy and, and Hit Girl. Because it's like, that is the overarching thing and Kick-Ass just kind of stumbles into that. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see it from their perspective. He could still stumble into it, but I yeah, I think it might have been stronger if it came from their perspectives. Just because that is... Yeah. The coolest part is whatever's going on between those two. Yeah. Well, and when they go over what happened, like the whole story of uh, 
Damon, aka Big Daddy, was a police officer. Yep. Frank has got the cops on the take. He ch- apparently tried to bribe Damon, and he was like, "No." So then he framed him. When he went to jail, his pregnant wife died while giving birth. His daughter went and lived with his partner. While in prison, he started coming up with this plot. Like that is, that is just something that was basically detailed in this comic book style transition and I was I want to see it yeah. I, I don't want you to narrate it to me I want to see that be played out and kind of exactly hear the background of Damon and, and Big Daddy and how all of that came to be and what their situation is because that is a very compelling thing and then I think the sequel could have been with Kick-Ass mm-hmm. and then Kick-Ass 2 however it's connected but there could have been a potential for three movies had they set it up that way I like uh, you mentioned something earlier about it being a little bit meta, and the comic book within the comic book how that was told. Um, I think it's a neat way of fleshing things out in a very quick way, but I know they probably didn't have the time to do that. Uh, maybe budget wise, maybe whatever. But the thing is, is that uh, when comic books get when anything really gets meta, you got to do meta right. It's very hard to do meta right anymore because some people will just get lazy with it and people won't. And I don't think this got lazy with it. There at the end, whenever the bad guy, or near the end, I guess, whenever the bad guys had Big Daddy and Kick-Ass tied to chairs and they were beating him up, there's narration going on. Yeah. And I really liked it where he's talking about, oh, all of this stuff and him not being able to feel things because of his nerve endings, but... he can feel all of this pain and blah, blah, blah. And they're building up the suspense as they keep getting beat up. And he says, uh, for all of those thinking I'm going to get out of this just because I'm talking to you, stop being such a smart ass. And they <laughs> continued yeah. on. And I just really like some of the call-out stuff like that. And he listed some other movies that do narration with deceased characters. And so I thought that was a good way to just kind of call out stuff like that. Even though I'm narrating, you don't know what's going to happen. No. Even though you do. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of before before this happened, but it's kind of Deadpool esque. Yeah, that's true. Sure. I don't know. Sure. I just I very much enjoyed this uh, revision, and I now remember why I own it. <laughs> yeah. So the I I was just reading. It's kind of interesting. the The comic series was written by Mark Miller, Miller, mm. who also wrote um, the Kingsman comics that Matthew Vaughn went on to direct. He wrote Wanted, which is uh, was adapted to a movie starring Angelina Jolie. Huh. Wasn't it, Angelina? Angelina yeah. and uh, what's-his-face. And he also wrote uh, Marvel's uh, Civil War series. He, oh, wow. He created okay. the Civil War. Wow. So that's kind of wild. Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. Definitely. Then, yeah, I, I'd like to check out the uh, the comics as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, do we have anything else, or is it time Not to do really. box I'm, office? I'm pretty, I'm pretty spent. Kick-Ass came out the weekend of April 16th, 2010. It debuted at number one with $19 million. Other movies in the top ten that week include How to Train Your Dragon. Great movie. Date Night. Okay movie. It, deb- it debuted where? I'm sorry. Number one. Oh, okay. At 19, with $19 million. Okay. Number four was Death at a Funeral, the 2010 remake. Then we had Clash of the Titans, The Last Song, Tyler Perry's Why Did I Get Married 2. <laughs> Alice in Wonderland, Hot Tub Time Machine, yes, and The Bounty Hunter. 
So that's kind of, I mean, so Clark Duke was in this movie. Yeah. Who was also in Hot Tub Time Machine. So he had two movies in the top ten in the same week. That's kind of cool. Good for him. That was kind of his uh, high point year, I think. You think? Yeah, because he was also in The Office, but I don't remember when. He was in a lot of things within that time frame. He was he joined the office after this. Okay. He was in in 2010. He was in Hot Tub Time Machine and Kick Ass. The end. No. <laughs> then yeah, he's done a, did a, little, a bit more television stuff after that. But yeah, two movies in the top ten in the same week. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Kick Ass was made on a 30 million dollar budget. It went on to make 48 million dollars in the U.S. 96 million dollars worldwide. So nice little. That's. You would assume that made a little bit of a profit. That's fine. Right. I think so. Um, Let's see where it ended up uh, uh, in the year. Like $48 million, it ain't going to be high. No. But we can find out. 2010, uh, Kick-Ass. Oh, man. It's way number off, 68. The 68th highest grossing movie of 2010. Wow. Anyone want to guess what the highest is? Just for fun. Of 2010? 2010. Without any sort of knowledge, <sighs> just guess. Iron Man 2? I don't know when that one came out. Okay, I don't either. But there's one guess. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1. Toy Story 3. Oh, oh snap. You were close. Andrew was closest, though. Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows Part 1 was number 5. Iron Man... No, no, you were closest. Yeah, Iron Man was 2 close. was number 3. I didn't even see that. So those were better guesses than I thought they were going to be, <laughs> to be completely honest. I totally... I totally... I didn't even think y'all would pick a movie in the right year. No, I didn't I either, have. honestly. I wouldn't have. Uh, okay, so that's that. What do we think this movie did by, uh, Rotten Tomato-wise? I want to give it an 85. Okay. I saw it, so I can't guess. Oh, I was going to guess 80. It is 75. Wow. 75. With an audience score of 81. Mm, okay, okay, okay. So they're pretty comparable. Sure. Pretty pretty close. Yeah. I would I would have said somewhere in the 70s, I think, mm-hmm. but I saw it, so I mm-hmm. I got nothing else. What do we want to rate it? Oh, yeah. I... It was I think I initially wrote down a four and a half, but I think That's I'm gonna too high I'm me. gonna drop it down to a four. I'm gonna give it a four too. Four out of what? Like <laughs> four out of five. I don't have anything to go with this. Okay. Four out of what? Four out of five batons because that was his weapon. Sure. I don't know. All right. That's fine. I'm gonna give it three out of five. Well, I suppose that wraps up this week's episode of So Many Sequels. We'll be back next week. With the sequel, Kick-Ass 2. Very creative title. <laughs> I think it's actually Kick-Ass 2 Electric Boogaloo. Oh, no, no, no. If they don't no. have a modifier, that's usually the default modifier. True, Electric true. Boogaloo. Until then, you can find us online at facebook.com slash so many sequels pod and on Instagram, just search so many sequels. Our show is available to listen to on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play Music and SoundCloud. Find us there. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That helps us out a lot. Uh, we'll be back next week with Kick-Ass 2. Until then. Please follow us on MySpace. <laughs> followers on MySpace. We do not have a MySpace page. Yet. So Many Sequels is hosted and produced by Josh Gammon, Garrett Powders, and Andrew Nichols. Editing was done by me, Josh. Our theme song is by Justin Mayer. Please check us out online at facebook.com slash so many sequels pod. So Many Sequels is a production of the OK Connection, celebrating the people, music, places, and events of Oklahoma.